Now, as long as I can remember, I've had cable television in my house. Now, I know that's not true for all of you, um, and that's okay, but, but being of a certain age, cable TV, it's fair to say, my wife will back this up, is kind of the background music to my whole life. It's always been on. Now, of all the channels available, one we didn't watch much was MTV, that channel that used to be music television. Now, my parents were too old, and I was too young, and so MTV wasn't really, we weren't the right demographic. But I have this memory from sometime in the late 80s in Miami, Florida. I believe my dad had the remote, and MTV was on. And Aerosmith and Run DMC were on our television singing a song called Walk This Way. The rappers were actually covering a 1970s song from the band Aerosmith. And some of you are smiling. You know what I'm talking about. Now the song and its lyrics are are really not that important at all. Except that chorus, Walk This Way, Talk This Way. They're worth thinking about because, you see, Christians are a people who are called to walk and talk and embody something different from everyone else. And in this morning's Gospel reading, Jesus directs us to behave differently, to deflect power in a different way, to to put off praise and esteem in favor of grace and humility before others. Jesus wants us to walk this way. He shows us how to do that in chapter 14 of the Gospel of Luke. We'll read verse 1 and then verses 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by the host. And the host who invited both of you may come to you and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when... The host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Interpreter's Bible Commentary says, The greatest crisis of the early church was not the delay of the second coming of Jesus. The greatest crisis for the early church was the burning issue 
of who should they eat with. Think about that. The biggest struggle in the early church was who to eat with. Now you are probably familiar with the book of Acts, and you remember the stress and the concern that surrounded who comes to the table and what was on the table. For Christians in that day, it was a big deal what you ate. And who you ate with at a meal, well, it it had an effect on social status, relationships that were established and manipulated and codified. There were distinct codes of conduct to be followed. And to quote another song, well, at a meal in Jesus' day, signs, signs, there were signs everywhere. Do this, don't do that. Read the signs. Now, none of these signs were actual and literal. Very, very few of them were probably posted in the house or the banquet room. But there were markers of status all over every social event that one would be invited to in Jesus' day. And the fact that you could be invited to an event didn't necessarily guarantee you everything except showing up. It was not unusual for people to get served different things at meals. So, in our times maybe, one table would get a Ruth Chris filet. Maybe the Midlers would get a nice sirloin from the outback. And those of us who were invited but relegated back to the corner would have to share a fast food burger. And this was normal. It was acceptable. It's actually how life worked back then. So as you can imagine, especially in the realm of the Pharisees, who Jesus is talking to at this time, there's a race to the top. There was jockeying for position. There was a desire to get to the higher table and a need to move up different levels on the social ladder. Jesus' world was one of posturing and power struggles. And does that sound like anything that you recognize? Because we've all been there, even if we uh, are ashamed to admit it. We've all walked up to a table at a banquet and we've seen the seat assignments and wondered, would they notice if I switched this card with that one? We may have never done it, but we've probably thought about it. We've been there. We've, we've worked. We've needed. We've felt the desire to put ourselves in a more advantageous situation. And it happens every day, not just at banquets. Like on I-85, driving south. Or like when you walk into the lobby of a busy restaurant and you're not sure who's in line to talk to the hostess or not. Or on Black Friday... Our world's rat race combined with a a dog-eat-dog survival tactic that gets developed. It drives us to get what we want, what's best for ourselves, and sometimes it causes us to give little thought to someone else. Every day, if we pay attention, we watch, we are part of a constant struggle between getting what I want and I need, what will make me happy and satisfied, And figuring out when is the right time to defer to someone else. And most of the time what we do is we we just fall back in seeking to meet or exceed our own personal needs. And we fail to defer to another or to God. We just keep 
chasing, keep pushing, keep striving to get one up on everyone else so we can make sure that we have enough. And it's actually exhausting, isn't it? It's, an, it's exhausting and it's an indication of how we think we must live, but I'm not so sure that's how we were created. In fact, sometimes I think we're so tired of chasing that maybe they, we pull up to a four-way stop sign, like the one right over here at Spring and Gilliam. And it seems like some people just sit and wait so they can wave someone else through. It's as if they've forgotten what it feels like to let someone else go first, and it's the only place of solace they can find. It's the only place where they can let someone else get ahead without danger of getting too far behind. But I don't think this rat race to the head table is what God wants for us. It's not how we were created to live. It's not how Jesus lives. There's a better way. We just have to figure out how to walk that way. Jesus tells his disciples simply, just go ahead and put others before yourself and don't worry. You're going to get what you need. The venue for this particular illustration is a wedding celebration. And in the midst of the celebration, when it's time to take a seat, Jesus tells his disciples to step out of the rat race. Just go to the bottom. Let someone else race their way to the top. And then you'll get what you need when it's time. Take the lowest seat. Avoid the rush to the top because what happens is when you go sit in the wrong spot, you get shamed. So take the lowest spot and let the host raise you up. And do not do this simply because some measure of praise or compliment would come from the host, though that is nice. Do it to practice an outer behavior that can help shape your inner behavior. Do it to indicate your willingness to allow others to shine and have power, especially God. Do it practice what it is that God is calling you to do it, to practice relying on God who promised over and over and over again to give you everything you needed. And then remember that all over the scriptures, God doesn't always choose the strongest, the mightiest, the most powerful. In fact, God usually chooses the lowly and the unexpected as a way of revealing the great power that God has. Any God can can succeed if they choose the biggest, strongest, most powerful. Any king with the largest army is going to have the best chance to win on their own. But God wants us to rely on his power and strength. So take the lowest seat. Let God work. Don't rush through the doors and trample someone else on the way in. What you need will be there. Don't presume yourself to be greater than you are. Because no one wants to be around someone who's too big for their britches, do they? This advice, it's practical, but it is deeply, deeply spiritual. Because, you know, Jesus was trying to, to, to reanimate, to rearticulate, to, to redo, to re re-witness the way that God's presence and power was alive and at work in the world. 
And it doesn't happen by doing things the same way we've always done. It doesn't happen by doing things the same way everybody else does it. Jesus was bringing about a new way, a new way of living and being. Jesus and his disciples walk a different way to bring about something different, a different power, an alternative to the rigidity and the status-seeking Pharisees. For the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' time, they were so concerned about keeping people out. But for Jesus, meals... Well, they were reimagined. Meals were to become times of celebration and inclusive fellowship that foreshadow the coming kingdom of God. And so act differently, behave differently, enact and embody a faithful presence that changes lives, maybe just one life at a time, but changes them for real in powerful, meaningful ways. It changes them from within. I've been working on sermons for the few weeks coming up. And the, and the thing that emerges, one of the things that emerges, unfortunately, excuse me, is that following Jesus kind of gets hard for a few chapters in, in Luke's gospel. It's not the easiest way to go. It's not the easiest thing to do. Being faithful sometimes doesn't come naturally. Becoming and embodying and continuing to be the faithful presence that God wants us to be requires walking differently, and it's not easy. So if it doesn't feel easy, you're probably doing it right. Walking with Jesus shows us walking in a different way than everyone else and everything else, and and trying to walk and live that way is going to require effort. We can use all kinds of images and metaphors to describe the world around us, the world that we live in, the, the, the other six and a half days a week. It's a competition and a life that manifests itself in a rat race. But naming what's going on around us is just the first step. The next step is walking and living and expecting something different from ourselves and from God in us. But I think that's what we want, isn't it? It's, it's why we're here. We want to live a life that is different and better and more fulfilling than those around us who are stuck on the treadmill, chasing something else. We want to be faithful. We want our faith in God's life with us to work through Jesus to, to fill us. We want to walk in a different way that leads to, to hope and joy and grace and peace. And we're not going to be able to do that if we just walk like everyone else. So it might be hard to walk a different way. But that different way, most definitely, leads to life. In 1986, three African-American men who made up the band Run DMC released their cover version of the 1970s rock hit Walk This Way by the band Aerosmith. They weren't even sure they wanted to do it, but their producer recommended it. So they defied convention, and in doing so, the song did wonders for them as a rap group, did wonders for the popularity of rap music in decades to come. 
I might have even done something in race relations. I'm not sure. I know that they changed the world of music just by singing a song. But imagine what we might be able to do. How we might be able to live. How the world might be blessed and changed as we grasp a renewed sense of God's presence with us. As we start to walk His way. Seeking not just to put ourselves on top while chasing after the latest whatever. Just trying to get what we need. But, but what if we truly learn to walk His way? Jesus has a better way for us to walk. I pray today that we may have the courage to walk differently and a faith to believe that God will meet our every need as we do, as we walk that way, as we walk God's way today and in each day ahead. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to be gathered as your people here on a Sunday morning for worship. Lord, we realize that there are many other things that we could be doing. We realize that culturally there's a minority of us who are gathered. But Lord, we also realize that in being here and in worshiping and in walking differently, you're doing something different for us. You're doing something great for us. You're revealing your love and grace and power to us. And you're giving us the ability to reveal your love and grace and power through us. Lord, in the moments ahead as we conclude our worship service and we walk from this place, may we walk differently. May we walk as your faithful people each day that lies ahead. And Lord, in walking differently, may we both feel your presence and power with us. And may we reveal that presence and power and love to those who desperately need it those who are all around us. Loving God, this, this and all of our prayers we offer in great faith, with great hope, in Jesus Christ our Lord.